0: Well, good morning. All right, real quick survey. How many of you here you got the doctor recommended 8 hours of sleep last night? Just raise your hand. You just yeah, it was just like being at home. Okay, how many How many here got just a little bit less? A little bit less. Okay. How many of you got 6 hours of sleep? 4 hours of sleep. How many of you got less than four hours of sleep? Okay, keep your hand raised. Anybody sitting around them, look at them. Here's your job. This morning, you're to watch them. They start dozing off. You say, now's not the time. And uh, don't, don't hit them or anything, but just uh, you, you just keep an eye on them. I'll keep an eye on them as well. Before we get into the passage and we continue the story of Jonah, I want to kind of give a big picture of what the Bible teaches. So the Bible is a narrative, but it's really, even though it's a collection of books and and these different stories and accounts and laws and all of that, there's one big story. We call this the meta-narrative big story of the Bible. And if I could sum up for you kind of the overarching story of the Bible, which Jonah is just a glimpse into this bigger picture of what God is doing in humanity and in the world, it's this, it's that God existed before anything else ever did. Before the creation of the universe, before the creation of this world, before the creation of time itself, God existed. And I was debating whether or not I was gonna try and explain this. I'm like, it's kind of complicated. And I, I get like, okay, sometimes we, we think, oh, I don't, I don't know if you can handle that. Um, I think you guys can understand what I'm about to share. But at the same time, it's, it's a little bit complicated. And here's what I wanna share with you is that God is three and yet one. He's one and yet three. So there is one God, and again, I I really do believe you guys can grasp this to a degree. Now none of us totally understand it because it's unlike anything else in all of creation. God is unique, he's set apart. We talked about this last night, he is holy. Meaning we can't just use simple things to explain who God is, he exists beyond all creation. But God is three and yet one, He is one and yet three. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One divine essence expressed in three persons. Here's the best way I can describe it. A lot of times when we, th- we hear that God is three, is there three gods? Nope, there's one God. Don't think addition. What's one plus one plus one? Who can answer that? Three. Three, okay, good job. You guys are paying attention. We're doing math first thing in the morning. Aren't you excited to be here? Uh, okay. <laughs> Addition, one plus one plus one equals three. When it comes to God, don't think addition. Think multiplication. What is one times one times one? You guys are so smart. So don't think addition, one plus one plus one equals three. Think multiplication, one times one times one equals one. There is one God who's eternally existed, and yet he is expressed in three persons Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is very significant for us understanding the meta narrative, the big story of the Bible. Because what that means is before God ever created you and me, before he ever created this world, before he ever created the cosmos, God existed in three persons in this mutual self-giving love that God in his very essence, John writes, God is love, which means he didn't create the world so that he could receive love. Love existed long before the cosmos ever did. Relationship existed long before the cosmos ever did. God created the world so that he could share his love. This is massive for us understanding what's going on as we read our Bibles. God didn't create us because he had some unmet need because he needed to receive love from us. No, God created us out of this overflowing joy and love that he experienced for all eternity so that he could share that love with you and with me. The Bible teaches that God said in Genesis one, let us make mankind in our image. Why does he say our? Because God is three and yet one, one and yet three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so he creates mankind in his image to be with him to share in the love that God has had for all of eternity and to share in the work of creation. God invites man, Adam and Eve, to partake in, in helping to create and subdue this earth that God put all the raw ingredients for us. And he says, now I want you to join in the work of creation. I want you to join in the work of bringing order out of chaos. Join me in the work that I'm doing. And be fruitful and multiply and then God says, but there's one thing you're not to do and that's to eat of this one fruit. There's just one rule. See, for there to be relationship, there has to be freedom, right? There has to be free will and God says, one thing I don't want you to do, what does mankind do? He runs from God. Eve eats of the fruit, gives it to Adam, Adam eats of the fruit and now you create this separation because God is a holy God. We talked about this last night. Yet the story of the Bible is this. See, at this moment, the story could have ended. Our Bible could have just been three chapters long. Be more like a pamphlet. And God could have said, okay, fine, you made your choice. You chose to run, and I'm just gonna gonna leave you. There's gonna be separation. Death is now part of the story. Because of our sin, now death has entered in, both physically and spiritually. Yet the story doesn't end there and for a lot of people what they think is, is well, maybe, just maybe, we can find a way to like work our way somehow back to God if we're good enough, if we try hard enough. This is called religion. But here's the problem, God's standard is perfection. None of us can work our way to God. But here's the story of the Bible, meta-narrative. Remember, big picture, the story is this. When you and I couldn't work our way to God, God, in love, in mercy and in grace worked his way to us in and through the person of Jesus. God came to us, he was born in a barn, he was born in a mess, he meets us right in the mess of our sin, right where we are, so that we might be restored in a relationship with him. Which is the purpose which God created us for, to be with him, to share in this love relationship that's existed for all eternity. The question is, will you and I receive this gift of relationship that God offers to you and to me. See, some of us, we think that, that because of our sin, because of our separation, God's just over here just mad at us. That he's just angry all the time, he's just judging and all that, no, no, no. The Bible teaches that God's mad about us. He's, he's in love with us, he's pursuing us. As we run, he's following, he's pursuing us. And what we find in the story of Jonah is that's exactly what God is doing. God continues to invite us to join with him in the work that he's doing. He's invited Jonah to join him in the work that he's doing. He wants to reach the Ninevites of all people. And he's inviting Jonah with him, hey, let's do this together. And Jonah says, nope, I'm gonna run. And what does God do? He pursues him. Read with me here, Jonah chapter one, that's where we left off. Verse 11 says the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, that's the sailors, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Remember, Jonah just told him, yeah, the God who created the sea, I'm running from him. That's my bad. The storm that we're about to die from, yeah, it was me. And so it says they're greatly terrified. So they're asking, okay, what do we need to do to you for us to survive? Jonah says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it'll become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Jonah finds himself in this situation. He thought he was running from God and he thought when he ran from God he was gonna experience freedom. And what does he find? He finds that things get a whole lot worse. And here's what I want you to understand. This is kind of piggybacking off of last night. Sin, running from God, running from his design and running from his direction. It'll always take you further than you wanna go. It'll always cost you more than you were willing to pay. Sin promises us freedom. Sin promises us, man, if you just go do that thing that you really wanna do and you know it's gonna feel good or whatever it is, you, sin promises, hey, that you're gonna have all this freedom and what you actually find is it's a whole lot worse. That the reason why God hates sin is because he loves you and what God wants for you is to experience the blessing of being with him and trusting him and following him. Jesus says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest, have it abundantly. That's found not running from God, that's that's found being with God. So here Jonah now he's run from God, he's experiencing all these consequences, he now knows it, he goes, yeah, this is my fault. And it says this in verse 13, listen to this. So Jonah tells these sailors, okay, here's how you guys survive. You take me and you just throw me into the water, storm's gonna be over, you guys are gonna be okay. What do they do? Instead, The men did their best to row back to land. So these sailors show more compassion to Jonah than Jonah's shown to anybody. These men go, you know what? Yeah, we might die, but we're gonna do everything we can to save this person. We're gonna do everything that's in our power. We're gonna row as hard as we can. They cried out, it says, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. So now they start to feel guilty, like... Okay, God, they're praying to God, by the way. They're already starting to come to faith in this moment, which seems like a crazy moment, but when when things get real crazy, that's when people all of a sudden, they start praying, they start becoming more open to spiritual things. When life gets real crazy, and that's what's happening with these guys, they are facing death, and all of a sudden, they're open to the idea that, that maybe there is a God. And so they're praying to God. Do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So I I wonder what that scene is like. So imagine you're on a boat out in the middle of the water, massive storm, you've thrown everything overboard, you're certain you're about to die, and then you're like, okay, let's throw this guy over the edge. They do, and then it says it goes calm. Like was Jonah just like bobbing in the water right there? Like Was that an awkward moment? When all of a sudden like rays of sunlight come out and, and the sea just kind of goes still and he's just like, hey guys. Like, is he just floating there and these guys are like, we did it and like, should we bring him back in the boat? Like, okay, the, the crisis is averted and, and, and is he just floating there? And then I love it and then it's like, and then God sent a great fish and it was like, whoop. And so then they were like, oh, okay, keep sailing. All right, that answers that question. And now in the belly of this great fish, and in the Hebrew, you know, is it a great fish? Is it a whale? Is it something that doesn't exist anymore? We don't know. They call it a great fish, and, and God sends this great fish to now swallow up Jonah, and it says for three days and three nights, he's hanging out inside there. In the dark, in the depths of the sea, and he begins to pray. Listen to his prayer. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. By the way, when we run from God, it will lead to distress. And in his distress, he prays to the Lord. I remember I had this, this moment in junior high. My brothers, we were in a foreign country. I was a junior higher, and I'm the youngest of four. How many of you are the youngest sibling in your family? All right, a lot of, a lot of youngest here. How many of you, you're the oldest? You're the responsible one. Okay, great. And how many of you are the forgotten, neglected middle child? Okay, yeah. I am so sorry, it's a hard life. My wife reminds me of that all the time. But I was the youngest of four, and and I was with my brothers in this foreign country, and they decided, hey, while we're in a foreign country, let's try shoplifting. What could possibly go wrong? And so I'm like, oh, well, this sounds exciting. And so I'm going to join them. And so I'm walking down this dirt road and, and, and I'm going to the, the shop that they were in. You know, we we're going to steal some stuff and it was going to be, you know, wow, this is going to be great. We're running from God. It's going to be fun. Um, and I see them come running out of the store and I hear barking. And as I'm walking towards the store, they go running past me and all they do is they just shout, Run! <laughs> and they go past me and then it's just me standing there and a dog comes out chasing them. Which means that dog, by proximity, is now chasing me. And so I turn around and luckily for me, I'm faster than my brothers, especially, uh, all you younger siblings, you have this thing where your brain releases all this adrenaline in your body and you have like superpowers in those moments, right? And, and so I get this superpower moment where I have all that adrenaline released in my body and I'm flying out of there. It is one of the scariest, most terrifying things. My older brother had tried stealing something. He got caught and they're like, release the hounds. And so the dog's chasing us through the streets in this foreign country. And I'm thinking, how did I get myself into this situation? And I could recall for you many, many times where I found myself asking that exact same question. How did I find myself in this situation? And here's how I did it. I ran from God. And in that, I experienced distress. There are times I look back throughout my life that I thought, man, if I do this thing that I I think is going to fulfill me, if I do this thing that sounds fun or I think is going to feel good, what I end up finding is, is that it ends up entrapping me. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Sin will promise you all these great things, but it will not deliver. And so for Jonah, he's experiencing this. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. Listen to this, and he answered me. From the deep in the realm of the dead, I called for your help, and you listened to my cry, which is really important for all of us, because all of us run. And here's what I want you to know this morning. God listens to the prayers of runners. God hears our cries. Even when our distress is self-induced, Even when our distress is because of stuff that we've done. Now, sometimes we experience distress because of the sin of other people around us. But sometimes it's our own dumb decisions that got us in some dumb situation. And yet even in the midst of that, God hears our cries. He says, you hurled me into the depths to the very heart of the seas and currents swirled about me and all your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. Picture it, he's in the stomach of a whale or a great fish. He's got seaweed all wrapped around his head. It's smelly, he's being digested slowly. It's kind of like Boba Fett. How many of you have seen Boba Fett? Okay, a bunch of you have seen this. Okay, it's kind of like, you know, he's in like the Sarlacc pit, you know, and he's kind of like being digested slowly. Anyhow, it's kind of like that. Okay. So he got seaweed wrapped around his head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you to your holy temple. The meta-narrative is something we see unfolding in the story of Jonah. He says, when my life was gone, when it was ebbing away, when I was over here lost in my sin and the distress of my actions, God, you heard my cry. God, you pursued me even in my rebellion. God, when I couldn't work my way to you, God, you worked your way to me. That is the heart, that is the nature of our God. God is loving and God is on mission for relationship with all people for all time. And he's invited us to be a part of that mission. That's the great story of the Bible. That's the big picture of the Bible. God is trying to restore what has been broken. Your Bible, the meta-narrative is this. It is a beginning, middle, new beginning story. God hasn't abandoned his plan. He's working to restore and redeem it through the work of Jesus. We'll talk more about that tonight. But God is at work. He's pursuing Jonah. And it might seem like as Jonah's in this stomach, in the depths of the sea, that God is absent. Have you ever had moments in life where you felt like maybe God was absent? Maybe that God wasn't paying attention. Maybe that God didn't care. Maybe that God didn't hear your cries. Maybe God didn't hear your prayers. And let me just tell you, there are times, as you read through your Bible, there are times when it seems like God is totally silent or totally absent, and oftentimes, that's when he's doing his greatest work. He's at work behind the scenes in ways you and I can't see it. Think about this, when Jesus goes to the cross and they take his body and they place it in a tomb, that next day, all the disciples have scattered. They have no hope. Where was God? They watched Jesus die and his body be taken down, at least John did, and be placed in the tomb, and it seems like God was absent in that moment. Yet, in that exact moment, God was doing his greatest work in all history. As Jonah is in the belly of the whale in the depths, not knowing what's going on, God is actually working behind the scenes because God is in control of all things and God's purposes, he will fulfill his purposes. God's plan, he will fulfill his plan. Why does God allow Jonah to get on that ship? Why did God send the wind? Why did he allow this storm? Why did when they cast lots, when they drew straws, why why did God allow that to fall to Jonah? Why, when they threw him into the water, did the sea all of a sudden calm? And why did God send a great fish? Listen, all of this distress that he's experiencing, God's not doing that to pay Jonah back, he's doing that to bring Jonah back. Because God loves even Jonah, even a rebellious prophet who's running from him. And that means God loves you, God loves me. God is not trying to pay us back, he's trying to bring us back. Jonah praise this, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. We talked about that last night. To run from God is to run to these worthless idols. It's to run away from love, it's to run away from blessing, wisdom, truth, and purpose. But I with shouts of great praise, Jonah prays, I will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So Jonah, in this moment, he does what's called repentance. He repents. To repent is a military term. If I'm going this direction, to repent is to repent It's to do a 180 and start heading back the other direction. So Jonah, in his heart, in the belly of the whale, he has this moment of repentance. And when you and I repent, when we turn from running from God and we turn back to God, listen, God relents. When you and I repent, God relents. God says, okay, Jonah, Great. I finally got your heart to turn back. He wasn't punishing him. He wasn't trying to pay him back. He was trying to bring him back. Jonah gets there, and so then God has the fish barf him up on the beach. So Jonah just got barfed on the beach. Maybe he does look like Boba Fett. I don't know what the stomach acid was doing to him for three days, uh, but he did have seaweed wrapped around his head. He's looking pretty gnarly at this point. And there he is, ready to go to Nineveh ready to do what God originally called him to. He has this turning point moment. And God's about to do something incredible and miraculous and he's gonna involve Jonah in the mission that God has for all people. Tonight we're gonna talk about the mission that God has for you. God is pursuing you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, God has worked his way to you. And he wants you to experience new life with him and he wants to invite you on the journey of helping others experience that same thing. Tonight we're gonna see a lost city be found in the story of Jonah. And my heart, my prayer for us is that those of us who are lost would be found tonight. But I wanna end this morning just on this truth. God is in control. God is in control, God has all the power. And even when it seems like God is absent or silent, God is at work behind the scenes. And even the bad things that happen in our lives, God can use even those things for our good if we'll allow it. God loves you and God wants to be with you friendship with you, relationship with you, for all eternity. He's not mad at you, he's mad about you, he loves you no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you. In fact, I wanna pray this prayer over you. This is a prayer that Jesus prayed for those of us who one day would believe because of the word of his disciples. Listen to these words of Jesus, his prayer for you, and this is the prayer that I have for us going into tonight. and that I myself may be in them. Father, for each one of us here, I pray that we would know your love. God, that we would begin to experience the love that you've experienced for all eternity. God, that you've invited us to be a part of it. God, for any of us that maybe the barrier is pride, which I believe is the greatest barrier to receiving your love, God, would you do a work to begin to to break down that pride in our hearts? May we be open to receiving the gift of relationship with you. God, thanks for Jonah. Thanks that all the mess of his life and all the mess of his story. You didn't hide it. Uh, You wrote it down so that we could have it and we could learn from it. And so God, I pray that you would help us to learn. Not to run from you, but to repent, to turn back to you, to join you in the mission that you have in our lives and the lives of those around us. Guide us, we pray. Lead us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.